Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, Darren Mitchell here. Welcome back to the final episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast for this week, today being Friday the 8th of October. And uh, as I reflect on the week, I wanted to record a podcast today based on uh, a couple of conversations actually I had, but one in particular with a client uh, in relation to doing things for the team and asking the question, are we helping or are we hindering. So that's what I want to delve into in today's episode. But before we do, quick reminder that if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please, if you could press uh, subscribe on the podcast platform that you are listening to, or of course, if you're on the Apple platform, I think it is follow. Uh, but if you can also do me a massive favor and rate the show, hopefully a five-star rating. But if you don't like the show and like to give me a one-star rating, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Plus, it also helps other people to find more easily the podcast on the various podcast platforms. So if you're able to do that for me, uh, hopefully it's a five-star rating, but uh, whatever rating is uh, better than no rating at all. So if you can do that, that'd be awesome. So I was out walking this morning and just reflecting on the week this has been, and there was a number of conversations that I had this week with uh, with clients, but one in particular that really came to the surface. And I think it bears uh, reviewing this in a bit of context in relation to, am I really helping my team or am I actually hindering my team? And the case in point, and it brought back memories for me uh, many years ago, and I've talked about this a few times on the podcast in relation to how do we create more of an independent thinking type environment where people are becoming a bit more self-sufficient. We give the team a bit more empowerment and ask them and challenge them to make decisions based on obviously a framework, but get them to be more proactive in the actions that they're actually taking. Uh, one of the things that I've, uh, I've discovered this week is one of my clients that I'm working with is a great guy. Uh, had to get involved in a particular problem that was sitting probably two to three levels beneath his particular role. Now, uh, he made a decision. He made a conscious decision at that time that time was against them. They had to get a result and he needed to get this problem solved. So he rolled up his sleeves, uh, got down in the mud and started to work around the mud and actually solve the problem. So they got the outcome, which was which was terrific. But one of the things we talked about in relation to this was, does that, does that process in him doing that at that particular time, what message does it send, but also does it in the long term help his team, or does it potentially hinder his team? And it was a really interesting conversation because, and you might have two uh, trains of thoughts on this, and it's perfectly okay which, which, whichever way you, we go, but there is, a, there is a purpose to this and there is a message behind it. Uh, and on the one hand, the train of thought was, well, the, the job needed to get done. And for whatever reason, the people that he had actually tasked get the job done didn't have either the capability or the motivation to get it done or didn't understand the time frame that uh, they needed to get this work done in, 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 a, in a reasonable period of time. So there was a lack of understanding there. And so he found himself in a predicament where he had to get in and make that decision. And he made that decision to get the job done because the bigger picture was much more important. So that's the one train of thought. The other train of thought is, of course, by him getting involved in doing that, he's actually doing the work for the people. So potentially building a, uh, I guess, a codependent type of relationship where the next issue that comes up or the next time that this this team or these people within the team, for whatever reason, 
feel as if they don't need to put forth their discretionary effort or they can take it a little bit slower, they know that this particular person is going to jump in and fix the problem. So you're now starting to conditioning the people on how to treat certain situations. So there's two there's two trains of thoughts. Now either way, and there's not a there's not a right way or a wrong way. It depends on which way you look at it. Uh, my my take on all this is from a leadership perspective. And this is the conversation we had, and the and the key point of today is: Are we actually going to be hindering them or helping them by actually getting involved and doing it? Well, uh, if you do it over and over and over again, you're probably actually conditioning people to be codependent and be very dependent on you which is not what we want to do. We need to start thinking about how do we create an environment where people can take a bit more initiative, take a bit more responsibility, uh, and be a bit more empowered to solve problems when they need to be solved. So what sort of lesson can we take from this and what sort of uh, increase in process or improvement in process can we put in place so that this doesn't repeat itself? So we can start to create more of a independent type uh, environment within the within the team. So the positive thing out of this particular situation was my client had taken full responsibility for getting the job done because at the end of the day, the buck stops with him. So whether he did it or whether he pushed his team to do it, it was his responsibility because ultimately if the thing hadn't got done, if the project hadn't been completed, it would have been him standing in front of his senior executives trying to explain why they didn't actually deliver according to the time frame. But this is where it gets interesting, and this is the conversation we've had, and it's a great lesson for him, and it's certainly a great lesson to reinforce for us as leaders, that we need to be really conscious of the lessons that we're putting in place, the impressions that we're creating, and the environment we're creating, to the point where are we actually helping people by helping solve problems, or are we hindering them by getting involved in solving the problems? And so we need to understand that we've got to drive responsibility, and as a leader, we still have to take 100% responsibility for everything that happens for us. Because one of the first things that a leader must do is define what reality is, but therefore take responsibility for it. So we talked about the fact that maybe the expectations, maybe the job descriptions, maybe the clarity around the role and expectations within the role weren't as crystal clear for these people as they could be, and therefore there's something for him to look at. So driving down and making sure the roles and responsibilities for these guys are absolutely crystal clear is one of the first things he's going to be doing from this particular situation. The other part of this, though, was what was the lesson that came from this? Okay, we've got the solution done, and that's all well and good, and that's, that's finished now, that's done. But also thinking about, okay, what was the impression? What, what, did, what did we create in terms of an impression? Because people are always watching. Now, I've talked about this a lot, and I'll continue to talk about this until I take my last breath, that as leaders, people are watching our every single move. They're watching what we're saying, watching what we're doing, and they're watching also what we're not doing. And they're making an assessment is my, is my leader doing what they say they're going to do or are they doing something completely different? So we have to be very mindful of the example that we are creating and we need to be able to lead by example. So the difference between creating an independent thinking environment and a codependent thinking environment is a very, very huge difference. What has happened in this particular case, as he's, as he's reflected, is there's a number of occasions, because this wasn't the first time he got involved, in solving particular problems, uh, and people have allowed him to get involved. So we need to start working on, for him, some delegation uh, techniques, which we're going to talk about as well. But what he's noticed is he's actually started to create, unbeknownst to him, a codependent relationship where his team are starting to be more dependent on him to come in and solve the problem. So at the first side of an obstacle or first side of a challenge, they almost put the white flag up and say, hey, can you come and help me and, and come and fix the problem? So what Jack does is Jack just comes straight in and fixes the problem, thinking that's the best way to solve the problem, but at least the problem gets solved and everybody's going to be happy. 
Well, in the process, what we're conditioning our team to do is whenever there is a problem, just call Jack because Jack will come running. Codependence. And this is something that I've, I've faced very early in my career. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know the story. That's exactly what happened to me. Where we need to start working on is, and this is why the key message out of today is, am I helping, am I hindering, is we need to work on creating an independent thinking environment. Where the next problem that helped, that's, that comes up, how do I help these people by actually giving them the empowerment and the latitude to make a decision and back them to make the decision, but also force on them the expectations that they are there to make that decision and they're quite capable of taking the action required to get the solution to that particular problem. So when you start talking about an independent environment, people are starting to think about, well, I can't rely on Jack all of a sudden to come and solve the problem. I've got to think about this for myself. So what are the solutions I can I can get involved with? What are the solutions I can think about and what actions can I take? Now, it might well be that Jack gets involved and maybe as a sounding board, but he's not going to be there to solve the problem for them. And so this is the big difference that he's taken out of this particular situation this week. He's now got to start thinking about I'm not helping my team by getting involved. Yes, it was a short-term fix, but in the long term, if I keep doing this, then all I'm going to do is create a rod for my back and it's end up it's going to end up hindering my team in the long term because it will not be driving independence. And the other thing with this is when Jack leaves, when Jack gets promotion, when Jack moves, the person coming in, he's not going to have a team that is going to be self-sufficient. They're going to be relying on that new leader coming in and basically spoon-feeding them all the work, and it's not a great environment to be in. So one of the things we're working with Jack on is how to actually create more and more of that independent thinking. Now, for him, it means taking a step back and in some cases letting people make some mistakes, and in extreme cases, sometimes letting them fail. Now, failure is not necessarily a a bad thing. In fact, failure is is a prerequisite to being successful, But as long as it's not costing millions of dollars in this particular case or contravening health and safety of the people involved, then the worst possible thing that can happen is maybe a project gets delivered a little bit later than normal. But in the lesson that comes out of that is people are going to start to think, well, I can't rely on Jack every single time to come and be the savior. I've got to now start thinking for myself. And that's exactly where Jack wants to get to. Now, a key part of that, of course, is thinking about how do I now better delegate to the team? How do I first of all make sure that the roles and responsibilities are really crystal clear? How do I make sure that the standards we put in place are really clearly understood as well to the point where they understand that when the proverbial hits the fan, hey, it's not just a case of putting up the white flag and expecting Jack and others to come and help them uh, to fix the problem. It's a case of how do you start thinking about and digesting what is the problem, what is the not problem, what are some possible solutions and going through a process to then maybe get some soundboard advice from people within the team and certainly from, from your leaders, but not necessarily getting the leaders to do the work for you. And that's the, that's the key lesson that came out of Jack's experience this week. And what he's learned now is that in order for him to drive some accountability and drive some uh, independence, he's got to now take a step back. And as hard as it is, sometimes let mistakes happen. So one of the key things we've been talking about is delegation. And, and I just wanted to cover off a couple of key points around delegation, which I'll share with him and working on a process to put this in place so that he can help uh, drive this more independence and in the process help to condition and train his people and develop his people to take more of an independent thought process and also to take more proactive action and to back themselves as well. And that's that's the way that's going to be helping him because what he's realized this week in particular, it's uh, for this particular event that happened, he has realized that there's been a bit of a pattern that he's really been hindering his team and not necessarily helping his team. So we had a pretty in-depth conversation around some elements of delegation, which I'd, I'd like to share with you as well. So for some of you, it might be a bit of a reminder. Uh, for others, it might be some new insights. But 
One of the key things I want you to think about as a leader is, are you right now helping your team or are you hindering them? And by that, I mean, it's not a case of letting them do absolutely everything and make all the mistakes in the world, but more a case of, are you getting in the way? Are you actually solving the problems for them? Or are you teaching them a methodology? Are you teaching them how to think to the point where they are more independent and therefore the quality of the conversation you're having with them is a much higher quality conversation because the problems they're coming to you with, they really have given it some serious thought and it means that you've got to be a lot more strategic in the solutions you put forward. And if you're doing that, you're starting to develop more of an independent type thinking environment. But from a delegation point of view, also think about what are you delegating and can you delegate more? Because one of the things... Now, there's two ends of the spectrum here. I see a lot of leaders that are master delegators to the point where they literally delegate everything and they have so much time on their hands, they go off and do other things. And many people do uh, do side hustles and stuff like that. They're, good. They've got so, they're so good at delegation. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got leaders who are doing everything else to the point where they're almost protective of everything they do and not letting anybody look in and, and therefore not letting anybody with the opportunity to take on any responsibility and therefore they're not delegating at all. So in the middle, we've got, to, we've got to try and find a median. And when it comes to delegation, uh, it's something that leaders have to get a lot better at because it's part of development and it's part of looking for, and we talked earlier this week about succession and what your legacy is and who, who is the likely successor within your team. What are some things you need to put in place to identify people who can step up and can take on some tasks and maybe some development and it's outside of their comfort zone. But So I wanted to share some key elements of delegation and just these are probably some, how would I describe these? These are some principles that I live by in relation to delegating for me, uh, but also when I'm teaching leaders and working with teams as well. These are some rules to go by and they're sort of ground rules, I think, in relation to delegation. Uh, and it also enables us to really stop before we actually delegate to ask ourselves these questions so that we are delegating appropriately and we're delegating to the right people. So the first thing is, and it's probably the number one rule, is never, ever, ever delegate anything ever just because you simply want to do something. That is that is called a cop-out cop and that is abdication of responsibility. So we're only going to delegate for two key reasons. And this is a key thing to think about. Two reasons only. One is the delegated task or the delegated project is going to be sitting in somebody's genius zone or in their swimming line. So it's something that they've already got a strength in and they might probably do it better than you do. So if that's the case, then it makes sense that uh, they take on that particular task or that particular project. So the first key element is delegate when somebody is actually really good at a certain task or a certain uh, has a certain skill set. The second thing, the second reason to delegate is when it's going to be a development. And when I say development, it is a genuine development opportunity. This is not just something we're going to give to somebody and wrap it up in a bit of a um, in a bit of a bone and say, "Hey, this is a great development opportunity." Where in actual fact, it's not. It's a it's a pure development opportunity which will enhance somebody's ability to develop, get better, but it will require them to get outside of their comfort zone because there will be elements of the delegated task or project that they have no idea how to do. So this delegated task or project has to be in line with the development process or the development ideas for this particular individual. So they're the only two reasons to delegate. One, it's in their genius zone, or two, it's going to be a definitive development opportunity and a genuine development opportunity. Now, when it comes to the delegating delegating task itself, there are two types of delegation that uh, you'll probably come across in your, in your delegation of responsibilities or delegation of, of tasks. The first one is where you're going to be very, very precise in your delegation. This is probably for somebody that you're you're wanting to ease them out of their comfort zone, but you want to give them some confidence, but also know that you're there to help them 
if they need the assistance and where you're going to be very precise in terms of the instructions that you give them. And so there's really no room for them to muck it up. There's really no room for them to uh, come up with their own ideas. It's as simple as follow these steps. Here's a checklist. This is the order I want you to do things. Step one, step two, step three. Once that's done, come and check in with me. So it's very, very specific in terms of the instructions. So there's no way they can bugger that up. So that's the precise delegation where there's no room for them to think outside the square. The second part is this is where we want to get to in terms of delegation is when we're delegating capability. So this is where you're going to give somebody an outcome that you need to achieve and you're going to leave it up to them in terms of how they go about doing it because it it may well mean that they come up with a better process or a better way of doing this particular task or achieving the outcome than you've even thought about, which means they've now put in a brand new process that can now be then put in put in place as a standard operating procedure, for example. So capability delegation is simply give people the ability to create the way or the method to come up with the outcome, but you trust them. So if you do that, what you're doing is you're actually helping the team and helping that individual because you trust them and you're giving them the authority and the responsibility to get that task or that project done. But the key thing around leadership, and this is what I want to leave you with, is irrespective of the method of delegation, ultimately the responsibility for the outcome still sits with you as the leader. So you've got to always have skin in the game because the buck still stops with you. And so the key thing to remember here is that you are helping your team by delegating effectively. You're also helping your team by helping them develop, getting outside of their comfort zone. And you're also helping your team by not doing the work for them. So that's the key message out of today. Uh, Are you helping or are you hindering? So uh, Jack got a lot out of that conversation and he's now on the pathway to delegating more and uh, giving more opportunities and also more responsibility to people to step up. And he's in the process of starting to create that independent thinking environment. So if that's something you're working on or is that something you'd like to work on and to create that more of an independent environment, hey, I'd love to have a conversation. Let's, uh, Let's jump on a Zoom call and see how I might be able to help you do just that and in the process help you become that exceptional sales leader. So love love to work with you one-on-one. Go to my calendar at leadwithdarren.com, pick a time or sit down and have a conversation over Zoom. Talk a little bit about uh, leadership, what you're looking to achieve and uh, get to work as early as next week to help you become that exceptional sales leader. So with that said, hope you have a phenomenal weekend and look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.